Joshua chapter 6. Shut up because of the children of Israel. None went out and none came in. And the Lord said unto Joshua, See, I have given into thine hand Jericho and the king thereof and the mighty men of valor. Ye shall compass the city, all ye men of war, and go round about the city once. Thus shalt thou do six days. And seven priests shall bear before the ark seven trumpets of ram's horns. And the seventh day ye shall compass the city seven times. And the priests shall blow with the trumpets. And it shall come to pass that when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, and when ye hear the sound of the trumpet, all the people shall shout with a great shout. And the wall of the city shall fall down flat, and the people shall ascend up every man straight before him. And Joshua the son of Nun called the priests and said unto them, Take up the ark of the covenant, and let seven priests bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark of the Lord. And he said unto the people, Pass on and compass the city, and let him that is armed pass on before the ark of the Lord. And it came to pass, when Joshua had spoken unto the people, that the seven priests bearing the seven trumpets of ram's horns passed on before the Lord and blew with the trumpets and the ark of the covenant of the Lord followed them. And the armed men went before the priests that blew with the trumpets and the reward came after the ark, the priests going on and blowing with the trumpets. And Joshua had commanded the people saying, You shall not shout nor make any noise with your voice. Neither shall any word proceed out of your mouth until the day I bid you shout, then shall you shout. So the ark of the Lord compassed the city, going about it once, and they came into the camp and lodged in the camp. And Joshua rose early in the morning, the priests took up the ark of the Lord. And seven priests, bearing seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark of the Lord, went on continually, and blew with the trumpets, and the armed men went before them. But the reward came after the ark of the Lord, the priests going on and blowing with the trumpets. And the second day they can pass the city once and return into the camp. So they did six days. And it came to pass on the seventh day that they rose early about the dawn of the day, could pass the city after the same manner seven times. Only on that day they can pass the city seven times. And it came to pass at the seventh, seventh time when the priests blew with the trumpets, Joshua said unto the people, Shout, for the Lord hath given you the city. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, as I bow in your presence, I thank you for another opportunity to be in the house of God. Thank you, Lord, for what we've experienced already here tonight. And, O oh God, how we need you. And I pray the Spirit of the Lord would manifest his presence in our midst. Lord, give me wisdom and the power of the Holy Spirit. May I just be a vessel that you could fill and use. And I might represent you tonight, and I trust bring honor to your precious name. You know every need, you know every heart. Give us victory, O God, in our life today and tonight and this week. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. I want to bring you a message tonight on the subject, Victory Over the World. Uh, this will be a three-part message, Lord willing. I don't know where I'll be bringing them consecutively or not, but uh, we have three enemies, the world, the flesh, and the devil. And I'd like to deal with the world tonight. 
We have the book of Joshua in the Old Testament and the book of Ephesians in the New Testament deal uh, with how the believer can have victory, how we can overcome these enemies. Now for Israel, Egypt was a type of the world. And Canaan is a type, was a type of spiritual maturity and victory. It was not a type of heaven, although many songs have been written about Canaan being a type of heaven. But I want to say there are no giants to drive out of heaven, thank God. It is a type of spiritual victory and spiritual maturity. But between Egypt, a type of the world, and Canaan, a type of victory, you have the wilderness between them. And, uh, of course, in the parallel in the New Testament, you have the book of Romans dealing with salvation and the book of Ephesians dealing with victory. But between those two books, you have First and Second Corinthians dealing with carnality, the flesh, and the book of Galatians dealing with false doctrine. So we have this pictured uh, in the Old Testament as well as the New Testament. Now Israel had refused to enter Canaan under Moses. You know, they sent the spies in and, and uh, they were afraid of the giants and they listened to the majority report and did not enter into the land. But they wandered 40 years in the wilderness until all that generation from 20 years old and up were dead. Now they come to cross the Jordan to go into Canaan. Jordan is a, a type of death. And uh, now they're they are faced with another decision under a new leader, under Joshua, on what to do, where to go in and take the land or not. Now they, after crossing Jordan, if you look back in chapter 5, you'll find that they come up to Gilgal. And there they pitch the camp at Gilgal. And we'd like to look at this for a little bit. This, First of all, the camp of the saints. We have uh, in chapter 5, it was a place of consecration. Now after the camp there, the Lord gave instruction to Joshua in verse 2 to circumcise the, male, uh, the, the, the males of Israel. Now the ones that came out of Egypt had been circumcised. Circumcision was a sign of the Abrahamic covenant that God had made with Abraham. It was an outward sign. And, uh, but the ones that, of course, all that generation died. And the ones that had been born in the wilderness, they'd failed to follow this important uh, right that God had established the matter of circumcision. And so it is a picture of, of course, renouncing the flesh, dying out to the flesh. And this was something God wanted them to do. There's uh, a few verses in the New Testament I want to share with you. In the book of Ephesians, as I said, is a parallel to the book of Joshua. In the book of Ephesians chapter 4, verse 22, he said that you put off concerning the former conversation the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust. Now the fact of the matter is that the old man is not eradicated. The old flesh still bothers us, doesn't it? It bothers you and it bothers me. 
The only thing you can do is crucify it. Paul said, I die daily. Well, he did not die physically, but he died out to the flesh and the desires of the flesh. So he says, put off that old man. That old man is going to raise his ugly head and try to control your life. But God says, put it off. Renounce it. Then the book of Colossians, chapter 2 and verse 11. We have it clearly stated there, Colossians 2, 11. Uh, In whom also ye are circumcised with a circumcision made without hands, and putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. So there is a spiritual circumcision that the physical was a type of. In chapter 3 of Colossians, if you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. And in Romans 12, 2, that we read this morning, Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. The everyday pressures of life are out to conform us to this world. And I think of the generation that's alive now and the generation that lived back in their great-grandparents' days and the changes that have been brought about, the conformity to the world. And uh, God says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed. So when they camped to Gilgal, it was and they instituted circumcision. It was a place of consecration to God. And God was reminding them that you belong to me. You don't belong to this world. You don't belong to in Egypt. You don't belong to the Philistines. You don't belong to the Canaanites. You belong to me. You bear the physical sign that you have a special relationship to God. That's what God wants in our life. He wants us to be consecrated and yielded to him that we are God's property as I gave you this morning. We are not our own. You are not your own. You're born with a price. God says you are my property and you're not the world's and I don't want you living like the world. I don't want you conformed to this world. It was a place of consecration. Not only that, but it was a place of communion. A place of communion. You'll find in this chapter that they observed the Passover on the 14th day of the month there in verse number 10. And they, the manna ceased and they ate the old corn of the land. Now the manna is a type, was a type of the milk of the word. And the corn was a picture of meat. And how do we commune with the Lord back in Joshua chapter 1, verse number 6, Be strong and of a good courage, for unto this people shall thy divide for an inheritance the land which I swear unto their fathers to give them. Only be thy strong and very courageous, that thy mayest observe to do according to all the law, which Moses my servant commanded thee, turn not from it to the right hand, are to the left that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. 
This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night. If thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein for then, thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. How do you, how do you have victory? God says, how are you going to be prospered, Joshua? This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, out of thy heart. Meditate therein. The word meditate in the Bible has the idea of chewing the cud. That means you read the word of God, then you think about it. When you're working your job there, you think about the word of God. You hear a message, you hear a Sunday school lesson, and during the week, that comes back to you, and you think about it, and you chew on it, and uh, you meditate upon it. He says, you want to be successful? You want to overcome the world? That's how you do it. Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against God. He said, be courageous. So we need to have communion with the Lord uh, if we're going to be successful. It is necessary. Just as it was important for Israel, it is important for you, it's important for me. I must have that. If I didn't have that, I would become weak. And I'm sure I would succumb to temptation. I'm sure that I would be conformed to this world. I must have a communion. I must spend time in the Word of God. I have to have it. And uh, I, I'm almost forced to have it. I'm, I'm glad of that, really. Uh, I'm glad that I have to preach. Uh, I preach uh, five times every week. And, uh, and I'm glad for that. It forces me to the Word of God. It forces me to have communion with the Lord. I can't survive without it. And I'm sure without it, it wouldn't be long till the world would have swallowed me up. And so we need that place of communion. Then all that, but it was a place of consolation. Now they... Uh, the instruction was given there uh, on the taking of the city uh, by, uh, by the Lord to Joshua there, and God let them know that they were going to take the city and that they would be encouraged by this truth. And I believe God has given us a prescription for success. Uh, sometimes we give in to defeat uh, before we even try to fight the battle. That it was a place of consolation uh, for the people. Now, second of all, I want you to notice the captain uh, of the Lord. And uh, we have the challenge here. Now, Joshua here is there taking a look at Jericho. Uh, he sees this man with a sword drawn at the last part of chapter 5. And Joshua said, Are you our thigh for us or for our adversaries? In verse 14, he said, Nay, but as captain of the hosts of the Lord, am I now come? And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and did worship and said unto him, What saith my Lord unto his servant? And the captain of the Lord's host said unto Joshua, Loose thy shoe from off thy feet, foot, for the place whereon thy sentence is holy. And Joshua did so. What, where, where do you find that before this account? You remember with Moses at the burning bush? And the Lord said, Take your shoes off, Moses. You're on holy ground. And Joshua has an encounter here with the same Lord, with the captain of the host of the Lord. And uh, 
We have the challenge, of course, that faces them. What will they do? Verse 1 of chapter 6, Now Jericho was straightly shut up because of the children of Israel. None went out and none went in. Now most of these Israelites had never seen a walled city. And uh, the walls, of course, seemed impenetrable. It didn't seem there was any way to overcome them. Here's Israel, here's a generation that's been born in the wilderness. Here's a generation that's been fed on manna. Here's a generation that's been dependent on the Lord and God's took care of them. And, uh, but you know the difference, the difference in that generation and the previous generation. The previous generation had depended on their Egyptian masters, the leeks and the cucumbers and the onions. I thought, my, what a diet. Uh, I mean, I think I like something a little more substantial. But uh, onions are good to season. Of course, my, my granddad, he ate an onion a day. He said, onion a day, keep the doctor away. He lived to be in his 80s, so I guess it did for a while. But uh, they begin to lust after those things. But now here's a generation that's had to depend on God. And God's took care of them all these many years. Fed them with water from the great depths. Rained the manna from heaven. And so it's a different generation. But the challenge is before them. What will they do? Here they are faced with this walled city. They're faced with a difficult situation. The spies have been sent in. And the spies have come back with a different report than the spies that Moses sent in. And the challenge is, is before them. You know that challenge faces you and I every day of our life. The challenge of this world system, the pressures of this world to conform. And nobody's exempt from it. You young people face it at school many times or in your community. And the, the challenge and, and the, uh, am I going to conform? Am I going to be like the rest of the world? Am I going to conform to this world? Or do I have the courage to say, no, I don't care what others may do. I'm going to do right. And I like that story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego who refused to bow to Nebuchadnezzar's image. He confronted them about it and basically said, I'm going to give you another chance. And they said, stood up to that king, and they said, the God we serve is able. He said, who is that God that can deliver out of my hand? They said, the God we serve, he can deliver us. And if he chooses to do so, he'll deliver us. But if he don't deliver us, we're still not serving your God. We're not buying your God whether he does or whether he doesn't. And I'll tell you, only God can give you that kind of courage. And they were young people, young men. They were just young fellows. But they found courage and they found the strength to overcome. They faced the challenge of this world. Some of you face it where you work. I hear reports, people, they talk about where they work and they say, you would not believe what goes on. You would not believe the language that ladies have. You would not believe the actions that goes on, all the immorality and the wickedness and the sin that goes on all around a person. 
and those pressures to conform, those pressures to say, I just can't take it, I can't stand anymore. But I'll tell you, God can help you face those challenges and be a testimony to those ungodly people and say, I'm going to live for God, I'm going to do right, I'm not participating in your sins, I'm not going to conform to the world, I'm going to be different. That's the challenge that we face. Those challenges that face us all from this world system. This was a great challenge that they face. Then we have the commission that God gives these specific instructions on how to take the city. Now, can you believe you read the, well, I read part of it, part of the chapter. Can you believe such a battle plan as this? When we were at war with Iraq, what if someone went up to General Schwarzkopf and said, I've got, I've got a battle plan that will work. All you're going to have to do is march around them for one day. <laughs> He'd say, you are crazy. But this was a strange battle plan. He said, I want you to take these uh, these priests, I want you to take the men of war, the armed men, they'll go out front. Then the priests, and, and they will, the seven priests, having seven trumpets of ram's horns. And then the ark of God, and then the, the, the last coming on behind. And I want you to march around the city. On the first day, I don't want, you to, I don't want the people to say anything. I just want to blow those trumpets and marching around that city. And then I want you to go back to camp. I want you to do that for six days. Then on the seventh day, I want you to march around it seven times. And on the seventh time, I, when I say shout, I want everybody to shout. That was one time the whole bunch shouted. <laughs> I've seen people shout, <laughs> and I like shouting. If, it's in, if God's in it, and, uh, but uh, says when, uh, you know, when, when, when you shout, when I say shout, everybody shouts, and the walls are going to fall down. Now, can you imagine? You don't find where Joshua argued with God, and Joshua said, now, Lord, come on. I mean, I never heard anything like this. Uh, he didn't argue with God. He didn't question God. No evidence, even the people questioned God. That it's done what God said. And, and that's what we need to do, is just obey the commission. We may not always understand the ways of God, but we ought to obey God by faith, like Brother Thomason talking in Sunday school. You know, uh, if you can't understand it, if you can't explain it, just believe it anyway. Just take it by faith. And uh, because it's all true, but here we have this, amazing battle plan that God gives them. Now I can imagine the people of Jericho. Of course they, are, they have people on the wall looking out and the people give the warning, here they come, get ready. And they march around the city blowing those horns and, and they turn around and go by. They said, well, we scared them off. And they keep doing this for six days. Probably on the fifth or sixth days, if I understand human nature, I probably sitting up there laughing. I say this bunch of people's crazy. <laughs> you know, they evidently think that uh, they're going to wear us out by marching around the city. 
But the story, of course, you know that you know what happened. And we'll get to that conquest in, in just, just a moment. Then we have the center of everything was the ark of God was in the center. And in this battle plan, of course, the ark was there where the presence of God dwelt between the cherubims. And uh, it was what was open, Jordan. You remember that when Moses led Israel out of Egypt, uh, the rod was what God used. He, he stretched out the rod over the Red Sea, and the sea divided, and they went across on dry land. But now the ark of God has been constructed, and there's where God dwelt, and there's where the Lord, what God used to bring the victory. Ephesians 6.10 said, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord, and in the power of his might. If we think we can handle this world within ourselves, you know, I've heard people boast, oh, I'm going to do this to the devil. I'm going to do that to the devil. Well, I'll tell you, when we encounter the devil, we need, well, we can have victory, but we'll have to have the Lord to have victory. And uh, uh, I'm going to tell you, that ark was, was a symbol of the prayer. There's where God dwelt. And that's what made the difference. It won the people. It won the priests. You know, some have said, well, I'll tell you what caused those walls to fall down. All those people sound at one time. It created such a vibration that the walls fell down. <laughs> I like to say, try that. Say, illustrate that. Let's get a big bunch of people together and, 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 and get, a, get around the wall somewhere and see if we can shout it down. I'll tell you, that wall fell because the Lord wanted to fall. Not because of their abilities, but because of the Lord's promise there. So we have the captain of the Lord. Now we have the conquest of the city. Notice with me the corruption of the people that dwell in that city. And not only in that city, but the Canaanites that dwell in the land. Genesis 15, 16, God told Abraham there, the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet full. There were there's 13 sins, and that's another message. Let me just give them to you. If you'll study primarily Leviticus 18 through 20, you will find listed 13 sins of the Canaanites. You know, God is a very patient God, a very long-suffering God. You can tell that with how he's, he's had patience with America. The Bible says, The wicked shall be turned into hell and all nations that forget God. He didn't talk about those that never knew God. He talked about those that forgot God. When they knew God, they glorified him not as God, Romans 1 says. And God will put up with so much, so long, Longer than I would, but there comes a point. He says, his, uh, you know, he will not always chide. God will not put up with things forever. Thirteen sins. Let me list them for you. Homosexuality. Do we have that in America? You know, the sad part is that we have that sin. That sin's always been around, but we live in a day when people are proud of their sin. It's not only present, but they're proud. And say that, you know, uh, Brother Good gave me an article about a church in Charlotte that opens their arms wide and says, uh, 
says you're welcome at this church. Well, they're welcome at this church, but their sin isn't. They're welcome to come and hear the gospel and be saved. But they're not welcome to come and say, we're going to persist in our sin. There's nothing wrong with our lifestyle. God says it's an abomination in the sight of God. But this was one of their sins. Incest. Think of that. I cannot perceive of what happens in a man's heart that would abuse his own child, his own daughter or son. What's wrong with society? And only God knows how much of that goes on that we don't even know about. Incest, inordinate affection, uncontrolled lust, desires, adultery, idolatry, profanity, Bestiality, witchcraft, whoredom, dishonor to parents, murder, stealing, and lying. Thirteen sins that God will put up with for a long time, but there came a day when God says, I'm through with you. And the commandment he gave to Israel, I want you to go into the land. I don't want you to leave nothing alive. I want you to kill everything that breathes. I don't want you to leave nobody alive. God put up with it so long. God is patient. God is long-suffering. God will give people uh, time to repent, but if people refuse to repent and turn from their sin, he will bring judgment. And we have the corruption. You say, well, what a terrible, what a thing, what kind of commandment is that? The Lord said the only one that you're to spare is Rahab the harlot and those that are in our house. You know why he spared her? Because she put her faith in the God of Israel. Though she had been a harlot, though she had committed awful sin, she repented of that sin and was spared, just like God spared us. But they, 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 they slaughtered the rest of the people of the city. And that was the command of God. You say, you say well, that was a terrible, a terrible command the Lord gave them. Well, uh, it certainly was, uh, uh, was what God... Uh, had ordered. In verse 18, he gave a commandment, and ye in any wise keep yourselves from the accursed thing, lest ye make yourself accursed when ye take of the accursed thing and make the camp of Israel a curse and trouble it. Why did God give them such a command? Because the Lord said, I don't want you to be cursed. I don't want you marrying them. I don't want you, I want you to burn the city with fire. Ever, the only thing that's spared is the gold, silver, and the, and the precious metals and all that comes in the treasure of the house of the Lord. Everything else is burned with fire. Everything. Home to this world. Stay away from this world. You know the devil gets a little foothold, and I've watched it over the years, and I see how gradually, how people are gradually conformed, and they don't mean to. But just little by little by little, they're conformed. The corruption. Then we see the confidence. Verse 2, And the Lord said unto Joshua, See, I have given into thine hand Jericho and the king thereof and the mighty men of valor. Verse 16, And it came to pass at the seventh time when the priests blew with the trumpets, Joshua said unto the people, Shout, for the Lord hath given you the city. What faith. What faith. Confidence. Listen, the walls weren't down yet. 
But they'd march around the seventh time, God's number of completion, God's number of affection. He said, Shout, for the Lord has given you the city. And when they shouted, the walls came tumbling down. Just like God said they would. Now you wonder if they hadn't shouted, would the walls come down? If Joshua said, well, let's try it. I doubt anything will happen, but we'll see. It's kind of like the woman or man, whichever you like, whichever one you ought to pick on, prayed for this prayed for the mountain to be removed, and got up the next morning and said, just as I figured, it's still there. That's the, that's, that's the way we, we pray many times, isn't it? That's the confidence sometimes we have. But they had great confidence. First, listen, this great verse, 1 John 5, 4, For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world, and this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. How do we overcome the world? By faith in the God of heaven. And then we have the conquering of the city. Verse 20, so the people shouted when the priests blew with the trumpets. And it came to pass when the people heard the sound of the trumpet and the people shouted with a great shout that the wall fell down flat so that the people went up into the city, every man straight before him, and they took the city. The walls fell, fall inward. Now that's, that's amazing. <laughs> and they march in and take the city. Now, if you, if you think of, a, of walls here, of a, of a city, however it was laid out there, and you, you fall outward, see, as, as the walls fall outward, where they come together here, that gets farther apart as they fall, right? But if falling inward, it falls on, it would fall against one another and really would have a hard time falling. <laughs> but God was in this thing. You know, he'd make a difference how they were. He, he, God can defy physics. He can defy math. He can defy anything. With men, things are impossible, but not with God. With God, all things are possible. And they go in. And the Bible said they utterly destroyed all that was in the city, both man and woman, young and old, and ox and sheep, and ass with the edge of the sword. And you have them sparing, of course, uh, Hagar there, and uh, or Rahab, I'm sorry, uh, getting mixed up with Hagar there. But uh, uh, here uh, they, they're able to take the city. The Bible says in Romans 8, 37, Nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Man, what a message could be preached in that. More than conquerors. How could you be more than a conqueror? <laughs> and if you conquer something, you, you, you're the victor, right? But God says we're more, more than conquerors. It reminds me of that verse where it said he is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. Ain't nothing we could ever even think is too big for God. Conquering. They conquer the city. And here we have a wonderful picture of an earthly victory that is a picture of the spiritual victory that Ephesians deals with that shows us how we can have victory over this world. And we can conquer it, be more than conquerors through him that loved us. It's by the power of God because John 15, he says, without me, 
you can do nothing. How true that is. Let's bow our heads, please.